You're tuning into the Real Estate Diversification Podcast, hosted by trusted and experienced real estate attorneys who are also seasoned real estate investors themselves. Are you ready to explore unique real estate investing opportunities? Ready to learn about emerging trends and new ideas? Your hosts will help you understand the practical and legal complexities of a myriad of real estate investments so that you can maximize your potential and achieve financial freedom. Now, listen in and get ready to learn. Get ready to learn. Welcome back, Red Podcast Nation. Today, I am talking about restaurant investments and the secret to how many restaurateurs make legit profit while pursuing their passion. The restaurant industry is a dynamic and exciting sector. It's characterized by its diverse range of business models, cuisines, and dining experiences. It's a popular investment for many people just because of bragging rights. Hey, I own this you know, cool restaurant. Come visit me at my restaurant. Even if they're a 5% owner, you know, it's, it's bragging rights. It's a cool investment. People think it's fun because you know, the, just the connection people have with the dining and drinking experience. However, many restaurants fail within their first year. This is an industry that is known for competitiveness and volatility. And while success hinges uh, on multiple factors, including location, market trends, consumer preferences, and operational efficiency, there is a path forward if you do it properly. And if you do it properly, a restaurant investment can offer substantial rewards. I personally have not represented many restaurant tours over the past 15 years, but prior to law school, I worked at some of the finest restaurants in the Kansas City area. I know what it takes to be successful in this arena because I've been a part of multiple launch teams, not just on the restaurant side, but also as a seasoned attorney. Now, I'm also a real estate attorney. And one of the best parts of having the restaurant experience as a transactional attorney is that many of my clients also realize the importance real estate plays in restaurant ownership. In short, owning the real property along with a successful restaurant business is oftentimes where the true profitability lies. And that is one of the items we're going to focus on today towards the end of the podcast. Now, before diving into the real estate side of restaurant ownership, let's just talk about the pros and cons of investing in a restaurant. So the pros of restaurant operations. First, creative expression and passion. We have all seen the TV shows on the Food Network where extremely passionate and charismatic chefs showcase their talent in a competitive arena. Many of us also probably know people in their personal lives who live and breathe their culinary craft. Uh, personally, a majority of my family members are in this industry, uh, either on the restaurant side as chefs or operators, or in the food and beverage industry, uh, salespeople for uh, hotels, large hotel chains, and franchises. Another uh, pro is building a community. Um, Restaurants are gathering places for locals. If you are tied to your uh, location, if you have a geographic area that you love, that you're part of, that you want to um, you know, benefit and create benefit and value for your customers, you can do so by way of a restaurant. And this satisfaction of providing a social space where people can connect and enjoy food is extremely gratifying to many restaurateurs. Also, there's financial potential. Um, 
there is general revenue and profit that is to be had, not just on the active investment side, but also in some areas on the passive investor or limited partner side. There is also a potential for multiple revenue streams within just one uh, restaurant establishment, such as catering events. And eventually, if the restaurant's successful, franchising. I'll talk about um, towards the end of this podcast, some of the tips as, as far as if you're coming into the investment space on the third or fourth restaurant and, and what to look out for, because that's a danger zone for some restaurant expansions. The cons of restaurant operations, well, first and foremost, working long hours, um, you know, the demanding nature of the restaurant industry just in and of itself, as well as the time in which most restaurants are open and the dates uh, lead to long hours and late nights, even for the owner and, and especially for the owner. It's not just the staff. And this has a potential negative impact on work-life balance and personal relationships for all parties involved. High failure rate. Okay, so the reality is that restaurants have a high failure rate compared to other businesses. Here's just a few stats for you. According to a study by, the Cornell, by Cornell University, around 30% of new restaurants fail within the first year of operation. The National Restaurant Association states that nearly 60% of restaurants close within the first three years of opening. And the Small Business Administration, the SBA, reports that the failure rate for restaurants is higher than the average for other small businesses. And they estimate that approximately 50% of restaurants fail within the first five years. Okay, so why? Why? What are the reasons behind the failure of many restaurants? Well, there's a few things. First, lack of sufficient capital. Starting and operating a restaurant requires significant upfront investment. Insufficient capital can lead to underestimating expenses, inability to handle unexpected costs, or a lack of financial resources to sustain the business during slow periods. Poor location selection is another con or another reason, excuse me, for, uh, for why many restaurants fail. Choosing the right location is crucial, crucial for a restaurant's success. A poor location with limited foot traffic, inadequate parking, or an area that lacks a target customer base can really impact a restaurant's ability to attract and retain customers. Intense competition. The restaurant industry is highly competitive with numerous establishments vying for customers' attention. If a restaurant fails to differentiate itself or struggles to offer a unique value proposition, it may find it difficult to stand out and compete effectively. Ineffective management. Successful restaurant management involves various responsibilities, including staff hiring and training, menu planning, inventory management, marketing, and financial management. Ineffective management practices such as poor leadership, lack of operational expertise, or failure to adapt to changing industry trends can contribute to a restaurant's downfall. I will say personally that a great restaurant manager is truly the success um, on the operations side for that restaurant. Um, some owners who might be the chefs, for instance, realize that they need someone else to manage the day-to-day -day operations so that they can focus on their craft. In a lot of these instances, uh, rather than hiring someone in-house and becoming an employee of that restaurant, they will engage a third-party restaurant manager. They'll engage in, in and execute a restaurant management agreement, which 
um, needs to be negotiated oftentimes by an attorney who's familiar with that space um, because you want to have the ability to oust that restaurant manager uh, in the event that they can't get it done. Um, it's not just wrongdoing, it's lack of performance. But that's key is that having that day-to-day operations tied up, especially if the owner is a chef and you want to make sure as a limited partner or an investor, even if you're active, but you're not in that exact space uh, on a restaurant investment, that there is a good manager and that he or she is their day-to-day boots on the ground overseeing operations. Operational challenges. Okay, so running a restaurant, and touching on this, entails complex operations, including menu development, food preparation, inventory control, customer service, and maintaining health and safety standards. Failing to address these operational challenges efficiently can lead to customer dissatisfaction, negative reviews, um, health violations, and ultimately a decline in business. Again, having that key manager in place day-to-day overseeing needs, whether it be contracted or in-house, is really important. Speaking of operational pitfalls. I also want to throw in um, things that make uh, you know uh, the failure of a restaurant very high uh, is a pandemic. You know, this is something new that we just went through. And what we found out is that the world needed housing and basic uh, amenities. And uh, going to sit down in a restaurant was one of the first kind of um, items that you could not do uh, during lockdown. Now, some restaurants were able to adapt and you know, push local legislature. I know it happened in the Kansas City area to offer uh, carry out liquor uh, and drinks, cocktails with food, uh, which added for a allowed for an additional revenue stream. And ultimately, some of these restaurants were able to recover, but a lot weren't. Um, some of my favorite restaurants went out of business um, during that time. And so, when you add that to the pot, uh, that becomes something as an investor um, or an operator that you need to have sufficient capital reserves, and maybe even a, a, a plan in place for, for dealing with pandemics and, and uh, acts of God, forces of nature. So another challenge is shifting consumer preferences. Uh, consumer preferences and dining trends are constantly evolving. Um, restaurants that fail to keep up with changing tastes, dietary preferences, or emerging food trends may struggle to attract and retain customers. Uh, adapting to these shifts require ongoing market research, innovation, and a willingness to update menus and concepts. Um, I haven't had fondue in a while. Um, I know many moons ago that was the trend. Clearly, farm to table and things like that is a trend now. Who knows what tomorrow brings? Um, but the restaurant tour needs to be able to adapt. That's just key. Um, and finally, high overhead costs. So restaurants have significant overhead costs, including rent, utilities payroll, food and beverage costs, insurance, and marketing expenses. If these costs are not managed effectively, again, restaurant manager and or um, you know leadership, CEO, things like that, then they can erode profit margins and make it challenging to sustain the business in the long term. So what I have seen in the industry, in addition to having a good restaurant manager, um, success comes from Um, the avoidance of the death by a thousand cuts. Uh, Every good owner places a very high importance on waste loss prevention and making sure that if a cocktail has an ounce and a half, that an ounce and a half is poured, for instance, and not two ounces. 
because death by a thousand cuts, right? That's where you lose your revenue. It's not even done purposefully. It's not done uh, with people stealing, uh, although that happens as well. Um, and really it's in, in, that, in that regards, and it's keeping honest people honest. Um, I had a client one time who kept their liquor storage in their, in their liquor basement um, behind a, a fence and it was locked with a, a really simple lock. And I commented and said, it looked like someone could get in there pretty easy if they wanted to. And his response to me was, you know, this isn't for the thief. This lock is for the honest employee who maybe had a long shift and walks by, you know, open, you know, case of wine um, and says, Hey, you know what? I kind of deserve this. Um, they take it with them. Well, I mean, yes, that's stealing, but also there's your profit and walks out at the end of a shift. Now, how can an investor actually make passive income from a restaurant investment? Well, even though all of the above appears to be you know, stacked in an owner or investor's favor, some restaurants are profitable. And if structured correctly, there are several ways to earn income. Now, as an owner operator, if structured correctly, you can generate direct profits for yourself. Now, that goes without saying. As a limited partner, you can earn passive income by way of profit distributions, for instance. So limited partners typically receive a share of the restaurant's profits in proportion to their investment. These distributions are typically made on a regular basis, such as quarterly or annually. The profit distribution is determined based on the agreed upon terms outlined in the partnership or operating agreement. Preferred returns. In some cases, limited partners may be entitled to a preferred return or waterfall return on their investment. This means they receive a predetermined percentage of profit distributions before any profits are distributed to other partners. This preferred return acts as a form of fixed income, providing limited partners with a predictable cash flow. Usually this is determined on whether there's actually profit, which hopefully there is. Sale of equity. Limited partners may also benefit from the appreciation of their equity in the restaurant. If the restaurant achieves success and its value increases over time, limited partners can potentially sell their ownership stake at a higher price, realizing capital gains. Uh, finally, franchise royalties. If the restaurant investment involves a franchise model, limited partners may receive a portion of the franchise royalties generated by the restaurant. Franchise royalties are typically paid by the franchisee to the franchisor based on a percentage of sales, and limited partners can receive a share of these royalties. So quick tip regarding restaurant expansion. I mentioned this earlier. I would talk about it. I have seen that it is easy to go from one restaurant to two. But expanding from two to three or four restaurants is frequently the death knell for restaurants because leadership and management and just experienced staff is hard to come by and can only be stretched so thin. When you're making that jump from one to two, maybe you have two data managers, right? And they split between the two uh, restaurants. So when you're opening that second restaurant, you have, you know, they're both working more, both managers are, but he or she can now, one can go to the new restaurant one can stay at the old restaurant and make sure the old restaurant still operates efficiently and that the new restaurant gets onboarded and staff. And some of the staff members will go train too. This is certainly limited by geography, which is why you see uh, restaurants of the same concept who expand, that, that expand, stay generally in the same geographic area for starters. When you go from two to three, you don't have that staff that has the ability to make that jump, which means you have to hire new staff, good quality staff, and that it's really hard to hire people these days um, in any industry. It's exceptionally hard in the restaurant industry for all the reasons I just said. I mentioned COVID earlier. A lot of people just bounced out of that, uh, out of this industry after that, and they went and pursued something else um, that didn't have this threat 
of, Hey, you're going to be out of a profession um, when COVID happens, but also just generally speaking um, because of the nature of the staff, many people who are staff aren't, aren't there long-term. Like, so when I worked for restaurants, um, the, I worked for a high-end restaurant in Kansas city, very successful, very profitable restaurant. I made good money there, but I was studying for the LSAT while I was there. I was not a long-term restaurateur. Um, although it, there is an appeal of, uh, there for me, um, but I wasn't. So a lot of staff is like that. So in order to bring someone up, who's going to be in the industry for long-term, you have to find that right individual and then to hire someone without ever working for them. Um, and then asking them to either take over restaurant management for an existing successful enterprise or start a new franchise or just third location, that's a heavy lift. And so it requires a lot of oversight um, and a lot of long hours. And uh, so you need to make sure that you have those, that trusted people. So if you're coming in as an investor on the third or fourth restaurant, okay, it's the third restaurant, for instance, you've been asked to invest funds, capital, make sure you know, you look at that management plan by the owner how do they plan on staffing that restaurant? Who from the older restaurants, the existing restaurants, who is going to move over from a management um, side so that there is continuity of product, of training, everything that makes those first one or two restaurants magical we needs to be able to be carried on to that third restaurant. So in addition to location and everything we already, we already identified as a potential threat. Um, so that's key as an investor. I, I, I urge you to, uh, to look into that if you're considering investing. Now, let's address the intersection of restaurant business and property ownership. Up to this point, I've addressed just restaurant ownership, operations, and investment therein. And the implication or standard model that is normally used in uh, restaurants is the landlord-tenant relationship when it comes to the space that the restaurateur wants to, uh, well, lease, right? Um, and that's the tr traditional model. Um, however, I want to address a key underlying component to many restaurant tour success, and that is real property ownership, meaning the owner operator not only owns the restaurant, but also the building in which the restaurant is located. But before I do that, I would like to highlight the pros and cons of leasing a property only, because in a lot of instances, that's the way the restaurant gets uh, off the ground is by way of lease. Um, there's not capital to own. Leasing offers its own set of benefits for restaurant owners, including lower initial investment. So leasing requires less upfront capital compared to purchasing property, allowing entrepreneurs to allocate resources to other aspects of the business. Flexibility. Leasing provides flexibility to relocate or adapt to changing market conditions without the burden of property ownership. Shared responsibilities. Landlords often handle property maintenance and repairs, reducing the operational workload for tenants. And location access. Look, leasing allows access to prime locations that may be financially challenging to purchase. So what are the pros can also be the cons, right? The cons are that you have limited or restricted input on the design, layout, or other tenant improvements. You also have to work with a landlord who may or may not be willing to assist with certain and even sometimes contractually required repairs or improvements. You're also paying market rate for rent. And in the end, when you lease, when the lease is up, you may be forced out of that location. I stressed earlier that location is very important for a restaurant and success. One of the pros is that if you don't like that location and the lease is up, you can move. Um, but one of the cons is if you really love that location and the market rate reflects that you're not the only one who loves that location, you could be forced out just by market conditions or the landlord says, hey, we want to go in a different direction. 
And so um, we're not going to renew your lease after five years or 10 years. So I've seen many bars, restaurants, and clubs close up shop right at five or 10 years. And even though the newspaper write-up doesn't often mention this when they close, the reason I know is because new lease terms did not pencil for that restaurant. Um, and so you see people say, Hey, look, you know what? Um, it's time to hang up, you know, hang up our hat. Um, and uh, sometimes you see them say this happened to a coffee shop nearby me, but they said, we just couldn't come to lease terms. So we're not going to find another place to, we're just going to kind of move on. And then the staff is going to move on and the ownership group is going to, uh, find another investment. So for, so for some, um, there are pros and cons for some leasing works or it's their only way into the industry. So, but let's explore ownership. All right. So owning the property provides restaurant tours with several advantages, including control and flexibility. Ownership gives control over the property's design, layout, and branding. It allows owners to make modifications, renovations, and expansions based on their vision and, and business needs. Equity building. Property ownership can build equity over time through mortgage payments and potential property valuation. Long-term stability. Owners are not subject to rent increases or lease terminations, providing stability and a sense of permanence. Potential rental income. So owners can generate additional income by leasing out a portion of the property to other businesses or subleasing to complementary food vendors. All right, so equity building, long-term stability, control, flexibility, and potential re rental income. These are all really important. I think equity, uh, just by having market conditions raised while you're operating it, that's huge, right? You can make you know, exponential growth on the sale of property if you hold it for 10 years in a, in a hot market. Um, and we've, uh, we've seen that in the industry um, on the real estate side. But potential rental income, I think, is also key. You think of it like house hacking, which has been discussed on this podcast before. The house hacking model essentially is you own a single family residence or a duplex, and you use the other tenants or other roommates' income to pay for the entire mortgage. So you get to live there for free while your property increases and someone else pays for it. If the layout is done properly, a good restaurateur will add tenants to their property in addition to owning their restaurant who will not only provide additional cash flow, but who will also complement the flagship restaurant's own business model. So think of a pizza place that has an ice cream shop in the, in the building. So the pizza place is the primary flagship te uh, tenant, also owned by the owner operator and the building owner um, or you know, a, a parent company thereof. And the you know, ice cream shop provides, the pizza place doesn't sell ice cream, right? So it's not competing, <laughs> but by subleasing or leasing directly to an ice cream shop in a separate space within, they now have provided values. The pizza shop has now provided value to their customers, i.e. dessert uh, and more revenue in their pocket by way of rents from that ice cream purveyor. So the way we structure this um, on our side is we assist uh, our clients with the acquisition of the real property. Um, I also do transactional work in the restaurant space. So I can prepare the um, and have done so, uh, prepared the lease agreements between the, the restaurant uh, and the building, uh, even though they might be the same owner or you know two LLCs with the same ownership, you still need to have a lease in place that provides for a term, provides for uh, rents, things like that. Um, you would do the same for any uh, other purveyor, like the ice cream shop, I said, if, you, if there's a, a liquor distillery that wants to come in, you know, you have to navigate, obviously, licenses, especially when you have, you have alcohol, there's several licenses. If you're, I mentioned distillery, there's an additional license there for, for the production, right? Um, but 
you will need to make sure that this is all papered up from the, you want to treat it like it's a third party. Meaning that the, anyone who's in that space, who occupies that space, whether you own it as a building owner or not, like I'm talking about the pizza place in this example, um, that they need to have leases. Uh, also, there needs to be a property manager and or property management company that services that, that building. And it can be, oftentimes I've seen the building owners or the restaurateurs um, provide this. Um, sometimes they outsource it just like some owners uh, and operators outsource the management of their restaurant. Um, so it's a, like a traditional model. It's just uh, the owner operator kind of has, you know, a hand in two pockets. Right. Um, so, and if they do it right, they can get their rent paid for, for free, which is massive overhead costs. So think about the profits for a limited partner who might be on both sides of this deal on the real estate side, but also on the restaurant side, massive profits can be generated by way of having a savvy business owner who owns the restaurant, but also owns the real estate. Now, if you are in if you're negotiating a lease only, so if you're coming into the space as a restaurateur owner operator, um, one option, if you know you want the, a space, you know you want to be there for long term is you can always negotiate or at least ask for um, an option to purchase the real estate uh, in your lease or at the very least to write a first refusal. So the, the first being, um, hey, look, within the next five years, um, let's say you have a five-year extension, right, as the tenant, and that's you see that a lot, right? So you can potentially have up to 10 years. So over the next 10 years, I have the option to make an offer on the property and uh, under these certain terms that are provided for in the lease. And, and a lot of times I just attach a purchase, a real estate purchase and sale agreement to the lease and say, hey, look, we've already agreed on the form of purchase and sale agreement for this commercial property. But over the next 10 years, this restaurant tour has the option to elect to buy the property. And, and you can put in certain terms um, for, for that purchase. The landlord agrees to that. First of all, that's a big ask for some landlords, but some landlords will agree to it um, because of the potential upside in sale. Um, and that gives the restaurateur the ability to kind of move from that just you know lessee tenant model to landlord um, owner model, and 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 thus benefiting from all the the, the pros that we discussed earlier. Uh, right of first refusals. Hey, look, I'm, I'm a tenant here. Uh, you're not planning on selling the property landlord, uh, but in the event you do, uh, I get uh, first dibs or if there's someone else, a, a bona fide purchaser, I'm able to match those terms and buy the property from you. So those are a couple of ways that you can just negotiate an in on this side if you're a restaurateur. So as an investor, you, you can also have your choice as to whether to invest in the real estate side or the operator's side. Some owners and operators may see the need for equity on the op side and require investments for both sides. Um, and I just mentioned earlier, if you're an investor on the real estate side, um, you're getting what your investment is. If you're on the op side and it has a sweetheart of a deal, i.e. low, low rent because other people are, are putting the bill for the rent, gosh, that you're getting the benefit of that because there's a real estate component. So the owner operator slash real property owner may want you to be on both sides of the investment, or they might just want you to be on the real estate side. And that's really just kind of a your typical real estate retail investment. So, um, and that's uh, been addressed in this podcast as well. So, um, but it really depends on the deal. Um, and I think there are, as I mentioned, several ways that a, an investor can make money in this space, even with the uh, uh, higher increase higher percentage of failure in the restaurant space. There are a lot of great owners and operators out there. Um, and uh, that about wraps up this topic today. 
please feel free to reach out to me with any specifics on this topic. If you have any questions, uh, any of the structuring that I tossed out there, you want to talk further about, I'm happy to answer any questions. As always, invest wisely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Diversification Podcast. Did you enjoy the episode? Visit www.rediversification.com to tune in to more exciting episodes and free information and tools that will help you succeed. Leave us a review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and our other social media channels at the RED Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Missouri Bar Advertising Disclosure. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.